Welcome to The Socialist Program. This is the audio of our monthly seminar. Subscribe and support this programming at patreon.com slash the socialist program to join live once a month and ask Brian Becker your questions and listen to them as soon as they come out. Thanks so much for your help in keeping this independent show going. We can make this program with you, but not without you. Thank you so much, Nicole. And again, thanks to all the patrons. For those of you who might be listening to the preview of this program and aren't yet patrons, we deal with very significant issues every month in this patrons-only seminar. We have a number of really important topics based on the the questions posed by those who are patrons. We're going to try to cover as much of that as we can today. I want to just remind all of us that our show is going to be three years old in a few months. And this small team of people have been able to produce very large amounts of content every week. I believe we've only missed one week in almost three years because our schedules coincided such that, you know, we just couldn't do a show. And we could expand the socialist program if we had additional support from additional people who listen to the show, are devoted listeners to the show, but aren't yet patrons. So I want to encourage all of those people who like the show, love the show, rely on the show, share the the show with their friends and family, talk about it at work or at school, but aren't yet patrons, do your part and become a patron today. It really makes a difference. And again, if we are able to generate the sufficient financial resources, we certainly have other content that we would like to be providing on a weekly basis. I want to start, Nicole, with an article, a report that came out today, May 31st. And it's about what happens to nuclear waste. The problem of nuclear waste from the nuclear war complex that was developed starting with the Manhattan Project in the early 1940s, the storage of that waste is an unresolved problem. Between 1950 In 1990, for those four decades, the U.S. Energy Department produced an average of four nuclear bombs each day, four nuclear bombs each day for 40 years. And many of those bombs were built, especially in the first decades, in very hastily built factories, very, very few environmental safeguards. That was an era again, where there was nuclear bomb testing in the atmosphere regularly all over the world and parts of the United States, especially in the West, were devastated. Islands in the Pacific made uninhabitable. So you can just imagine if the world was experiencing regular nuclear bomb tests in the atmosphere, what it must have been like in the factories. There's so much nuclear waste, nuclear contamination based on these four bombs a day that were built for four decades. Here's from the the report in the New York Times. Nowhere were the problems greater than at Hanford site in Washington state, where engineers sent to clean up the mess after the Cold War discovered 54 million gallons of highly radioactive sludge left from producing the plutonium in America's atomic bombs 
including the ones dropped on the Japanese cities of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Cleaning out the underground tanks that were leaching poisonous waste towards the Columbia River, just six miles away, and somehow stabilizing it for permanent disposal, presented one of the most complex chemical problems ever encountered. Engineers thought they had solved it years ago with an elaborate plan to pump out the sludge, embed it in glass, and deposit it deep in the mountains of the Nevada desert. But construction of a five-story, 137,000-square-foot chemical treatment plant for the task was halted 11 years ago after spending $4 billion to build the project when it was found that the structures were riddled with safety defects, the naked superstructure, this is from the Times, of the factory had stood in mothballs for 11 years, a potent symbol of the nation's failure nearly 80 years after the Second World War to deal decisively with the atomic era's deadliest legacy. Now, one thing I have to say about this coverage it sounds like this was the legacy of World War II, but the United States has continued to build nuclear weapons and is continuing to build nuclear weapons now, even after the Cold War. In fact, the Obama administration initiated the creation of a new generation of nuclear weapons. And even though the U.S. had signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, pledging that it would do away with its nuclear missile and bomb arsenal. The fact of the matter is the U.S. is committed to building more and more and more weapons. The U.S. has spent about 10 to $11 trillion on nuclear weapons, a weapon that was only used twice, both in August 1945. So these are weapons that have never been used, except, as Daniel Ellsberg points out, as a threat against those who the U.S. wants to intimidate. And we don't want to use the nuclear weapons, obviously. But when you spend $11 trillion destroying the environment, building weapons that are not used, all for geostrategic positioning, not for, quote, defense, it shows the criminality of the military-industrial complex, which in turn shows the criminality of U.S. capitalism because U.S. capitalism is indeed addicted to military spending. As we talked about in our show with Richard Wolff that we recorded on Tuesday, the debt ceiling agreement agreed to by Biden and Kevin McCarthy, and we don't know if the debt ceiling limit will actually pass Congress, but the agreement allowed for nonstop defense spending. In other words, there would be no restrictions on so-called defense spending, including nuclear bomb production, even though there would be a serious cutback on all other discretionary spending in the federal budget, meaning the, the money for the environment, the money for housing, for healthcare, education, etc. So we have even as the report comes out, and even as the New York Times writes about it in pretty dramatic fashion, about what the dangers are of nuclear weapon production, dangers that are not going away, and dangers for which there are no apparent immediate imminent solutions, and maybe there are no solutions. Instead of changing course, 
The U.S. is preparing, as it's clearly done with the proxy war it's waging against Russia and Ukraine, and is preparing in China. The U.S. is putting a premium on creating more weapons of mass destruction, even though this is obviously an existential danger to our species. I just wanted to start with that, Nicole, because it seems to me such a kind of the lunacy of our contemporary system. We always say in the beginning of our show, we need a new system. We need a socialist system. And this is just one reason, but a very, very, very important reason why we indeed need a new system. I wanted to just mention one other article that caught my eye in the last week. School librarians face a new penalty in the banned book wars, prison. Librarians could face years of imprisonment and tens of thousands of dollars in fines for providing sexually explicit, obscene, or, quote, harmful, what is harmful, close quote, books to children under new state laws that permit criminal prosecution of school and library personnel. At least seven states have passed such laws in the past two years, and another dozen states are considering more than 20 other similar bills. So yeah, we're preparing to send librarians to prison if they have on the shelves of the libraries in these different states articles or books about sex education, about gay, lesbian, bi, trans, queer people, the attack against so-called critical race theory, which is really just an attack against U.S. history, telling the truth about U.S. history as it impacted and continues to impact Black America. So the solution offered up by the right wing right now is that school librarians are facing multiple years in prison. I mean, we are reaching a point where the crisis, the political and social crisis in society requires, in fact, a new system. I'll stop there, Nicole. I think we have a number of great questions about Ukraine, about what's going on inside the U.S. ruling class. Let's just start with one, and then I'll try to get to all of them. Yeah, great. We do have a number of questions. Brian, the first one is from Jeff. He says, we often think about the ways in which the ruling class is united ideologically and in their interests. The moments when people's movements have been most successful in overcoming the power of the ruling class seem to come when the ruling class itself is divided and in crisis. How can we best understand and characterize the major divisions and factional lines in the ruling class today? What does this tell us about the state of the ruling class and the capitalist system writ large? Thank you, Jeff. That's an important topic. There can't really be revolution without major divisions within the ruling class. That's all for this preview. If you'd like access to the rest of this seminar and our entire archive of exclusive seminars with Brian Becker, become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We are an independent show and we cannot make this programming without you. Thanks so much for your support. 